the accountability for security does not just sit with the guys who discovered it. It sits with everybody who's involved in the creation of the platform that ultimately could have a security risk. And when you can have that conversation, then I think you end up having different outcomes. You're listening to KBCast, the cybersecurity podcast for all executives. Cutting through the jargon and hype to understand the landscape where risk and technology meet. Now, here's your host, Carissa Breen. Joining me today is Anthony Woodward, CEO of Logic House Australia. Today, we're talking about how to turn security as an enabler within your business. Anthony, thanks for joining. Now, full disclosure, my voice is a little bit croaky. Um, it's not too bad, but I hope it's uh, not annoying for you to listen to. So I apologize in advance. But one thing before we do get started, Anthony, it was really great to meet you at the conference the other week. So um, how did you find that, by the way? Yeah, thanks for having me, Carissa. Uh, great conference, by the way. Great location. Really good deep tech conversations, um, a really wide ranging group of people. Good to hear lots of uh, innovation and, and other great ideas being talked about. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we were speaking, the topic that came up really for us is security as an enabler. And, and I was, I was interviewing someone last night, actually in the United Kingdom. Um, and, and this guy is like ex-military, 30 years of experience in the space and talked about how we're not really good at selling the value of security and security is a cost center. So I'm curious to know, how do we flip that conversation on its head and talk about it as an enabler? So yeah, maybe let's start with how people view security internally. Like many still don't see it as that enabler, I would say. And then I want to know from you, why is that the case? Yeah, look, I think security um, generally tends to fall into two areas of a business. Um, one is where it's part of the risk framework. So it could be the case that your head of risk reports up into the risk officer or, or somebody on the board who has carriage of risk. And the other side of the coin is where you have security as an integral part of not just IT, but that part of the IT platform that supports innovation. And I think where, what really governs the decision point about where that risk uh, and where that security capability sits is a function of the kind of business that you're dealing with. So we've tended to see that heavily regulated industries, security becomes a core risk function. And that's where it really sort of taps into a compliance function, as opposed to one where we're really thinking about it as an enabler to move more quickly. So I think there is a bit of a shift going on between those two modes. Some industries are going to have to move more slowly because they need to make sure that they cover off the compliance piece as their first port of call. But other industries are starting to move a bit faster and seeing security as an enabler for them to actually move faster as well. Yeah. So do you think it comes down to a maturation of a business? So for example, like a, a bank that I used to work in, so well, I'm going to just talk about like innovation, but what about the smaller companies that are like so stretched and yes, they've got to pay for security, but they still don't see it as an enabler. Do you think the conversation shifts depending on the size of the organization? And maybe, um, not just the size of the organization, but the lived experience that they have had. So a lot of mid to smaller organizations, I think are really yet to have experienced a security issue that is threatened to stop their business. And so at the moment they're looking at security as a add-on or a checkbox or something that they kind of have to do, but they want to do it for the minimal possible cost. 
thinking that, you know, generally speaking, we're not going to be under attack, so we don't need to worry about it so much. We don't have anything people would want. So why should we spend a lot of money sounding up a really strong security environment? Let's just do enough to protect ourselves from a minimum perspective. And I think that is changing because some of the nature of the reason that people uh, come under security attack is, is moving very much into an industrialized commercial outcome as opposed to pranks and, and things that may have driven security incidents in the past. Yeah, that's a really great point when you said lived experience. So with your experience and your role at Logicalis, what would be your advice to perhaps people listening that are from that small organization? How can they sort of uh, change their, their view of security as, oh, yes, it's an expensive cost center. However, you know, part of that cost center is enabling brand protection and enabling that, you know, we are protecting our assets. What, how would you sort of position that? Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those scenarios where you have the conversation in relation to what the potential lost revenue might be. And I think once some of those organizations can see some others who have been in their space and have had significant downtime as a result of a security incident or a security uh, ransom attack or, or those sorts of things, that suddenly it, it puts it in the light of, you know, if your security is down, uh, it has your security is lax, then could that cause your core systems to go down and how do you actually recover from that? And then it starts to light up conversations such as how do we stay, maintain the, the continuity of our business during a security incident? And if somebody's got our data, what are they doing with that data? What does that do to our brand reputation? Do we have uh, legal requirements um, and, and law that is, we're going to, we're in danger of breaching because, for example, the Privacy Act requires us to notify people if their personal information is leaked. Suddenly that starts to put it in the concept of, well, the cost of not doing it could be really astronomical. And so the cost of doing security, at least medium to well, is quite easily justified by one or two incidents or one or two um, scary scenarios like that. Yeah, and that makes sense the way you position it. But would you say that, an, you know, a person out there that perhaps doesn't have strong communication skills, do you think that they suffer a little bit with trying to um, showcase the value prop from security? Uh, like, as you said, like, you know, part of security is to protect the revenue as well, right? So if something happens and there's lost revenue, that's an issue. Do you think that maybe they need to have a little bit more communication skills to equip to to speak to uh, executives or their board to say, hey, like this is the situation if we don't invest in that? So maybe they're just, they're not yielded with the right tools, would you say? Potentially that's the case. I think it's, um, you know, going back to that learned experience or that lived experience scenario, it's probably very easy to pe for people to talk about something that's happened to them compared with something that's theoretical. Uh, and I don't know if you need specific communication skills to get across, you know, what the cost was and how damaging that potentially was for the business. But again, to flip the conversation around, if you've got a better and more embedded security approach to the way that you move and deliver IT based um, capabilities to your customers than a competitor, then there's competitive advantage in being able to do that. And that's a different kind of conversation. It moves it away from the scare tactics and more into the 
advantage tactics. So just pressing on the point a little bit more, so people are not necessarily, they don't really see the upside value, which you and I know that. Uh, and even, you know, when I'm out for a weekend, I'm speaking to people and maybe they're in other fields that I talk to about security. Like some people do see it. Maybe I position it in a way. And I'm not saying I've got all the answers at all. I just used to do this for a living, communicate security, which I still do. Um, so maybe I'm just inherently a bit better at it. But I still think that maybe as an industry, we're not communicating that upside value. And so then I sort of want to, yeah, I want to get your thoughts a little bit more on, okay, someone's sitting here, they're listening to this, they don't quite get it, they're trying to get more budget, they're not maybe the strongest communicator. Would you, like, is there anything that you would sort of lead with first, like discuss the revenue, the brand, but, you know, how, how do you craft that message? And do you do that in a presentation? Do you do it in a meeting? Like, what would be your advice like, at a high level? Now, I know it depends on the company, the organization, but... I mean, if you just could spitball some ideas, I think that would give people real tangible solutions um, from today's interview. Yeah, happy to. Um, I think a, a couple of quick ways to sort of bring the conversation to the point where you need it to be, in my view, uh, and certainly the way that we operate at Logicalis around security is to think of it as more of an enabler and something that enables the business to move faster as it innovates. So you know, bring it into the competitive sphere and say, hey, our competitors have got a better security posture or a more secure platform or are regarded better for their security of their customers' information than we are. That's costing us business and costing us customers. We can't move as fast. That's a conversation that is going to get a wider attention than this is just another IT problem that we need to fund. That's a great point. How do people know that their competitors have better security solutions? Well, we can see the ones who don't, right? So we can have situations that come up where it's, okay, such and such an organization in our sphere had a security incident that they had to be public about. So we had a look at it. You know, there were people in the organization that said, hey, can we have a bit of a look at how we sit? Maybe they got an external consultant in to, to have a look at the situation from your company's point of view. And they might've said, hey, you know, compared with some of the others out there, you guys are not really doing great. That's the sort of information that is really useful in this kind of discussion. Don't just make it you know, your own view, but add in a view of a, an external consultant. That doesn't have to be an expensive exercise. It can be quite quickly done and it could uncover some significant risks that you don't even know about that you might want to jump on quickly. And that's the sort of thing where you can say, hey, you know what, if we don't close this now, that's a major security risk for us. And it doesn't mean boiling the ocean, it means solving this problem today. Okay. Now we've got security on the agenda. We're starting to really talk about this as a cornerstone. How can we now embed security into the way we do business so that we don't have to keep stopping, looking back, fixing things up, bringing external consultants in, patching things up, you know, that cycle. Okay. So just so I get this straight, hypothetically, I'm in a company, there is a breach that happened. I go take a look at it, see perhaps where their gaps are, where they went wrong, pile it into a deck or presentation or whatever it is and say, hey, I looked at this company, for example, and they may not be necessarily in the same arena, but maybe, you know, it's someone in, in Australia that had some incident. I present it back to say, these are their gaps. This is where we don't have security in these areas. And this is exactly what happened with this company that got breached. Is that sort of what you're saying for what I'm hearing? I think that covers it from a uh, compliance and risk perspective. So, you know, here's where the risks are, what's the downside risk and those sorts of things. But what 
is probably useful to add to the conversation, potentially those organizations that for whatever reason have a view of being, of having solved this problem. Hey, look, these guys have got security sorted out and they're able to move faster in this way. They're able to bring out new features or new capabilities or add new markets or access new customers more quickly than we can because they don't have to keep stopping and, and kind of retrofitting security into what they're doing. Gotcha. Okay. So I want to jump into that in a second, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit more about the costs. So everyone's very focused on costs, how much it is, and with security, you can't, it's not tangible. So at least like, I don't know, when you buy a website, you see the, the, the amazing site and the colors and the brand and all that, but like security, it's like, you can't really see it. Right. And so you don't get breached. It's sort of done its job, but I guess my counterpoint to that is like, Running development, like development costs are quite expensive still. So I'm curious to know from your experience, because you worked in this space on that development side, why are so many people fixated on security costs? Because devs are, it's like doing that is like development work is still expensive, right? And I guess you can kind of see it a bit more, but is that really what it's about or what, what is like, I don't know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. So where it comes to cost, I think people really need to see the value and that doesn't, that doesn't change whether it's security or development or any other investment that they make. So, you know, to some extent, if we can move security from a have to have, so think about it like insurance, for example, you have to be insured, but people usually try and find the most cost-effective way of putting insurance in place because they're not thinking of necessarily all the other downside risks that could happen if, um, you know, if this insurance fires. So there's that component of it. But on the flip side, if you say, well, hey, I can actually see on an ongoing basis how I'm able to move faster, how I'm able to um, deploy things, you know, within my organization where I haven't had to wait or I haven't had to be concerned about uh, going back and retrofitting security, which is a more expensive way to do things. Suddenly then it comes down to the value conversation. And I think you can get some really good value conversations going when you have some instrumentation, some visuals, some way to actually visualize, hey, since we put this security thing in place, we've had a reduced incidence of, you know, people clicking on malware links or uh, potential ra ransomware attacks or, you know, viruses running around inside our organization. And a lot of the good security technology and capabilities are really starting to bring that instrumentation into an actionable insight sphere rather than a, just a green light that says all's well, but you know, don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Okay. So, okay, let's jump into that. It's still on the innovation side of things. So we often do talk about the ability to innovate, uh, because it's of course in companies when we're saying like to be aggressive, to stay relevant, we need to innovate. But then of course, we also need to be secure whilst we do that. So how would you go about managing that balance? So you've obviously touched on a little bit before, including security in the conversation from the get-go. I'm assuming you're also talking about DevSecOps or SecDevOps or whatever you want to call it. Talk to me a little bit more about that balance. So if you go back to the start of our conversation, we were talking about the sort of two modes where security plays a role in an organization. So if it's part of the compliance and risk part of the business, then security um, would tend to be reactive to a process. So let's say you want to go through a process of innovation. You want to, uh, stand up some software, you want to try it out. You run some testing, get us some, some focus groups together. You really like what you've developed and now it comes time to put that into production for tens or hundreds or thousands or even millions of customers. 
depending on the industry you're in, there might be really strong regulation about how you put something into production where um, security is a, is a core consideration. And so at that point, just when you're thinking about putting something into production, you now need to bring in the security anal analysis and the security consultants and look over everything and dissemble code and, and, and really dive deep. So if you do it in that reactive way, well, there's a long period of time between when you were ready to go live into production and when you actually can, that is all just doing the security assessment and potentially fixing whatever's wrong with the platform from a security perspective. So that's when you keep the, I guess, the development and the innovation cycle separate from the security acting part of the business. When you have the security as part of that development cycle, not only can you make sure that you think about the security of the information and, and the platforms that you're developing while you're designing them and while you're having the conversations with the end customer as to what they want. But then it gets baked into the software that, and the platforms that you're building and the platforms that you're using to build with. So security is baked into those. And by the time you get to, you might still get to the same point in time where you need to, you know, go through a risk assessment before you go into production. But so many of those issues that might've been discovered through that uh, review cycle have already been dealt with, have already been, if you like, coded out through the development cycle. So it's much more of a compliance check as opposed to everything coming to a halt for months on end while you get that fixed. If you think about that from a point of view of how often do you want to release new capabilities to your customers or to the market, you can just do it more often, which means you can move more quickly and you can react more quickly to competitors in the market. I guess also from what you're saying, it's more efficient way, right? Rather than like doing this whole thing and then security at the end, oh, we've got like six like major risks, we're going to go back and start it again or fix these things here. So do you think people see it as efficient? Because not everyone is still operating like this. No, and, and some organizations um, may never be able to combine the security function with the innovation function. But if you bake security into the innovation function, it should really still see the function of compliance and risk management become more efficient as well. I think people have got to go through a few cycles of it to really understand that's going to work and see it happen, see how it actually plays out as they release capability um, into their customers or into the market and discover that, hey, they can actually go faster. But even thinking about the security and privacy of information at the point in time where they're developing the idea and, and doing that ideation phase can make a big difference to how the software or the capability is actually built in the first place. Um, you know, rather than getting to the end and saying, hey, we should have designed it a different way. That is going to be a very inefficient and expensive route to take. So why aren't people baking security in from the get-go? You said like some people just can't. Is it that they can't because regulation, they can't, like it just... Why? Well, they don't want to change that. Like, what's the reason? Because like you said, you don't want to get to the whole end of some two year thing. And then it's like, oh, actually we've got like 50 gaps we need to fill, which then costs more time, more money, more resources. So to me, it seems obvious, but maybe it's not obvious for people listening, but I'm just curious as to like, why? So organizations, uh, that are potentially have those functions in separate silos of the business that don't talk to each other very much. You could see how that would be hard for them to make that change overnight. It could well be a cultural change. It might be a governance 
change the way in which governance is is handled inside the business. Perhaps the innovation part of the business is seen seen as being necessarily not as critical, and so therefore doesn't really come under the watchful eye of of security and risk management until late in the piece with what they develop. Um, so, I look. I think organisations are at all different points on the spectrum of maturity around that is how I would view it. Okay. This is interesting. Now, I know from my own experience working in security and then going to dev teams, so there's a couple of things that's coming up in my mind, which I want to understand from you, like you said, uh, operating independent silos. Yes, absolutely right. And then maybe they aren't speaking to one another. So what would be your advice then as a leader? So if you're working with a customer or you're just in your experience, how do you get these people to talk to one another? They come from very different worlds. Yeah, it's a, it's a great one, isn't it? Um, I mean, one of the things that we at Logicalis are doing about this is to really think about the instrumentation of the security platform. So what, what, where do the security issues get surfaced? Who knows about them? How do they get addressed? If you have a platform that's set up to have the telemetry and have the, if you like, the rating of, you know, this is how secure our various platforms are from the beginning of the conversation, it's a much easier conversation to have with, for example, those parts of the business that might not see themselves as responsible for that security, where you can say, hey, this is what the baseline looks like. This is where we're trying to get to. If you can be involved in that conversation earlier then, or in, in that effort earlier that in terms of the conversation we're having around innovation, that would be a lot easier. Breaking down that silo, I think, really gets to having that common capability, that common platform that people really have access to and can take their actionable insights from. So in other words, you're both looking at the same scoreboard uh, is, is ultimately the outcome that you want. But if you look at the same scoreboard, don't you think they're looking at like different scores though? Because of what a dev cares about is functionality. What a security person cares about is, is it secure? So how do you get them to sort of align? Because I mean, I've been in organizations before and it's like, oh, like, oh, the security person is going to come around again. And like, it's that whole police thing. And then it's awkward because you're going to say, no, your project can't go live because of these issues. And, you know, I, I'm curious to know how, how do you get that further line? And I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm also looking at the reality of the, the people that make up these types of roles and the caliber of people that are in these roles and how they think so differently. What we're seeing a lot of is in, in the innovation and the dev side of that dichotomy that you just described is increasingly actually having secure aware and security aware people in that team. So for starters, you break down the barriers of conversation. So it's much easier to, to have a conversation across the parapet, if you like. And then the other side of it is that people can say, well, hang on, just before you code that, or just before you build that. Have you thought about the security aspect of that? Now that's for someone coming from inside their team, as opposed to, like you say, that we've gone this far down the road and then we get an external view as to what's going on. But it really comes down to joint accountability of saying the accountability for security does not just sit with the guys who discovered it. It sits with everybody who's involved in the creation of the platform that ultimately could have a security risk. And when you can have that conversation, then I think you end up having different outcomes. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. So, okay, so if you're a leader in a company, like, okay, we're going to start this project, join accountability with dev, C, dev team as well as security team, um, is that going to then enable them to look at the this, this scoreboard the same way? Because it's just not then just a dev problem or it's not just some security guy's problem or girl's problem. Um, it's just more so, this is our goal, this is our vision, we've got to get this live by this date, but it does need to be secure. But then I think historically, 
in my experience, it's just been like, oh, it's security's problem. And then you're getting into conversation, and I've been in rooms before where you've got some project manager, contractor, the KPI'd on, you know, go live dates. Um, and then it's like, hey, actually, you've just been working on this for ages, and we've just picked up all these additional problems. Not only is your project going to run late, we're going to have to charge you like another half a million bucks to fix all these gaps that you don't have because you've already run all of your budget um, already and you're already late as well. So do you think that like these conversations start to get really tricky and interesting? Because again, like there's a lot of moving parts, there's a lot of complexity to it, things that maybe you should have seen, but you didn't see. But do you think that having this joint responsibility um, and accountability alleviates a lot of this frustration, a lot of this, I guess, um, political uh, conversations that happen internally when you're dealing with a dev team and a security team? Yeah, you mentioned the word KPI, whether it be uh, a KPI or some other measure. Imagine if uh, as a dev team, as well as the release dates or the number of release cycles, the number of features or the number of lines of code or all of those other KPIs, you were also measured against a security score for the platform you were building, which was independently tested uh, by the platform itself. So as you committed code, as you ran through the, the automated testing, that could give you a security score. And if your KPI was, it has to reach this level before we talk about it going into production, then suddenly you're in a different conversation. And that then, you know, pulls the, the requirement for skill of secure capability around coding and design back into the development team rather than just having it outside that, that innovation part of the business. So you can see how you can reflect the joint accountability through having the measures on the right people that they can influence, right? There's no point having a score that I won't know the answer to until months down the road. I want to know the score every day that I come to work and what I'm doing and how am I moving that score. So just say hypothetically, I'm a dev, I look at my security score and it's not where it needs to be. Have you seen it before? Like what, what are people's responses to that? Is it like eye rolls? Oh my gosh, like I need to go and get another coffee because I need to redo this. Like what sort of the responses been? Because if you look at a traditional dev or a computer science degree, like you don't get taught security, right? So it's not necessarily their fault, but then it, do you think it creates a lot of frustration then for them? And I understand that you've spoken about security coming in and assisting them, but they're not going to get it right each time. No, they're not. But there's, uh, interestingly, there's, a, there's an industry of um, organizations now that um, are in the business of setting up the training and the platforms and even gamifying some of that uh, to help uh, software developers to really get their heads around the security that they need to bake in. You know, lots of um, templatizing rather than, re you know, the worst thing you can do in, in a software scenario where security is concerned is to cook up your own because there's been a lot of peer reviewed answers to the problems you're probably trying to solve out there available for you to use or examples of how you should do it. There are actually now platforms that can help train developers in these capabilities in a gamified way. Uh, and I know that there are a number, number of those out there. So that's one way you can sort of put the tooling back in the hands of the, of the developers to get themselves up the skill curve and test what they want to do. Okay, I want to build this capability. What would be the most secure way to do it? There will be ways to get trained up on how to do that. So I, I see that moving quite fast. And has that been effective in your experience? Like has that reduced, again, people are hitting their security scores each time they're, each time they're doing things? Or do you think it's a, it's a bit of a process and of course people are not going to know this overnight or what does that look like? 
it, it will certainly take time, but I think the point that, um, it's going to make the big, biggest difference and that, that will continue to make the biggest difference is for the joint accountability to be backed up by the capability to see where they where, what they're doing is influencing the outcome. So you've got the platform, it can measure your security score of what it is that you're putting into production or would like to put into production. And the accountability for maintaining that security score is on you. And incidentally, some of these platforms with new information from, uh, from the telemetry that they gather and from, um, real-time streams that they get from security incidents around the world, your security could score could actually drop overnight with you not doing anything, but at least you now know, Hey, we need to go and handle this situation to continue to keep our score where it needs to be as close to real time, as opposed to months down the road where you discover a vulnerability that's been out in the wild for some time. Well, I guess it's a good barometer because I mean, otherwise you're just having a stab in the dark and then like you said, gets the end of it and go, oh, okay, well, I wish I would have known this. So in terms of the joint accountability, in your experience, do you think a lot of people are taking this approach or do you think it's still a little bit immature from the customers that you're sort of working across or what you're seeing in the market? So what we're seeing um, in Logic Carlos is, is a, the full spectrum. A lot of our uh, customers that we deal with on a day-to-day basis are, are kind of coming at security from the perspective of understanding the core compliance need for it, understanding the risk and the potential upside um, that being well secured as they go through digital transformation and go go down that road of transformation can can help. But the main thing that they uh, almost universally say to us is that the number of options out there and the number of ways to solve this problem, uh, just too many to process. What they really need is guidance and help and, and understanding of how they should be solving these problems. That generally tends to be uh, the case. So, you know, it's those organizations that are, uh, have a big greenfield innovation capability that are tending to put some of these joint accountabilities and DevSecOps and the platforms around that in place at scale. But for the most part, I think that's kind of the early adopters. I think for the most part, a lot of organizations are still in the mode of looking at security as something that they come to later. Uh, and that's really why it does come down to the supporting platform that enables you to see the scoreboard that then you can determine how you want to split the accountability, but literally there's no politics. You're just looking at the scoreboard and you can work out how to move the needle on that. And that's why we think that the, the core platform that you use to manage that security uh, in that sort of scenario has to be one that everybody can see and work to and have joint accountability for the scores that it reports. And it's, if you're like an independent umpire of how secure you are. So for business executives or, or leaders listening to this, and they uh, may be aware that they are looking at security later, what would be sort of your, I don't know, top three advice that you could sort of give to people that can take away from today's interview that they can start to talk to their team about internally? But number one, I would say is to, whenever you're thinking about a, an innovation cycle, so solving a, an external customer problem or an internal customer problem through the cycle of innovation, really have people who are security aware in that conversation from the start, because they can ask difficult questions, but they can also have the design process, think about how to put security in to what being built from the beginning. Um, and 
people who are able to hold those conversations would also be aware of the different platforms that might be available to, you know, the, the platforms of instrumentation, such as what we've been talking about here. So if I think about from a Logicalis perspective, we have a product that leverages uh, Microsoft uh, Azure Sentinel, and there's a lot of telemetry that can feed into that. So you start to build the lexicon and the scoreboarding and the visualization and the actionable insights around the security of your organization, even before you've developed anything new. Where, where are we right now? And what will adding these new things actually do to our security rating, our security score? So that's one component of it. I think the second one is to really not think of how you release new capabilities and, and the results of innovation as two separate components. First, we innovate, then we secure, then we go into production. Try and get that security built into the innovation cycle from a coding perspective. So that's that, that DevSecOps capability. Think about what platforms could support doing that. Uh, and then, of course, the last one is to sort of just always remain vigilant. So don't think that that's going to solve it. You still need that independent umpire checking in on a regular basis to say, how are we going with our security? Is there new stuff coming that we need to be thinking about? Do we need to do more end user training, which as you and I both know, so much of cybersecurity incidents comes from what end users do, mistakes they make, links they click on that they shouldn't, et cetera. So it, it has to be part of a holistic conversation around security it can't just be just about the innovation cycle but if you have the right platform in place and you can innovate faster that's where it starts to become an enabler and something you can actually outpace the competition on and so just to clarify independent umpire do you mean then a security person sort of coming out and like overseeing things a bit more manually is that what you mean by that instead of checking in it could be um independent penetration testing. It could be external security auditors. It could be somebody coming in, even as simple as someone coming in and helping you um, road test your BCP uh, because the recovery of information off the back of a security incident is a lot of times where organizations get stuck as well. So that goes down a, a different rabbit hole of recovery. But the point is you need to think about um, security as a holistic uh, part of, of the business and how, and ultimately like with financial results or any of those other things, at some point there is a role for an external dispassionate view of your security capability to be leveraged. Operative word that you said there was holistically. Do you think in your experience, people think about security holistically, or do you still think it's still this independent, um, it won't happen to me. I'll think about it later. I'm not going to embed it in, um, at the get go. Is there still a bit of that, that you'll hear it? We're seeing, um, something like 70% of organizations acknowledging that security, um, is a potential problem for them. So in the vast majority, it's definitely front and center. It's top, it's one of the top three concerns of CIOs measured both locally and globally. So I think the, the era of people thinking it's not going to happen to them as, as past, um, the era we're in now is I know it's going to happen, but I'm not sure what to do about it. <laughs> and that's really where the opportunity is for, um, a lot of organizations to lose their way because there's so many different options for how they can solve that particular problem space. So, you know, while such a high percentage of organizations know that security is an issue, there's probably a similar number who don't believe their security is adequate. 
at the moment for the situation that they're in. And so if you think about that, that means there's a lot of sleepless nights out there. So yeah, great point. Totally agree with you. So do you think people are starting to do something about it now? Like sleepless nights, they know it's a potential problem. Maybe they don't have all the answers. Are people starting to do their reconnaissance and then starting to do their due diligence on organizations? Or do you think that they still feel perhaps overwhelmed because there is a lot of cybersecurity players out there? There is a lot of people saying we're best in, you know, best in breed at X and we're the best consultants you've ever seen. So how do you navigate that if you're a customer? I guess what we, we see quite a bit is um, security now starting to get on the agenda from a board perspective and not from a, not just from a, hey, it's that time of year, let's have a look at our security score from an external uh, security consultant perspective. but something that is a core risk that comes onto the agenda of a board meeting, every meeting. What is, you know, what does our security score look like? How are we um, rating our security capability against threats that have come up since the last time we met and what might have changed in the meantime? So it's definitely becoming part of the conversation. And you can bet that if um, security becomes a risk that a board has a focus on, then they're going to want to know what the execution is off the back of that. So they're going to want to ask the CEO and, and the CEO's team, what are you doing about our open security risk here? We need to close this out. So the conversation is definitely not going away. Does that then lead into the overwhelmed situation? Quite a bit. We find it does quite a bit. And that's really where uh, kind of rather than having lots of different little bits and pieces that solve the different parts of the security problem inside an organization, we feel like we can see a lot of scenarios where having a more single platform makes that easier for, for organizations to do. Can you find a platform that can touch all of those parts of your uh, information technology platform together? Look at it all together. There's not very many options out there that can do that. There's a few, but there's not a huge number. But that that's one of the reasons why we chose the Microsoft Sentinel platform as a, as a core component uh, of our security offering because it is so far reaching and so available. So in terms of final comments, um, closing remarks, uh, we spoke about security as enabler. We spoke about how to get your team to talk to one another. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our audience with today, Anthony? I guess there's a couple of components there. What we are increasingly seeing apart from security being literally a top three or a top two, or even the top consideration in many organizations when they talk about their information technology platform. Uh, you should know that there are, apart from the different security vendors that are out there, there are a lot of now um, implementers, managed service providers, integrators like ourselves uh, at Logicalis that have a very deep understanding all the way from the business problem, which is, you know, what is the, what is the crown jewels? What is the data that we're trying to protect and why? What are the compliance and regulatory reasons for doing that? All the way through to how have we actually implemented the controls right down to the end user level? Um, and that approach, there's many organizations now that are starting to, to get that capability. So I guess the takeaway there is don't feel like you've got to cook all this yourself, but on the flip side of that. It's still very important that somebody fairly senior in the organization is, carries the accountability for managing the risk of um, information security, because it's organizations where that hasn't been covered off particularly well is where it's difficult for them to get traction 
to do something about it. And it's difficult for them to get budget and it's difficult for them to have the conversations such as the ones we've been having on this call. So those are, I think those are two very important takeaways uh, for organizations to consider. Yeah. And like you said, it's not easy to have these conversations. And again, like it's a process. It does take time. Every company is different. Everyone's at different stages. Uh, like you said earlier, lived experience. Um, we need to be able to embed the joint accountability. So I think it's been great having you on the show today, uh, sharing a little bit more about your insight because you've obviously got a lot of experience, come from that development background yourself, so you've really seen it firsthand, and now you're seeing it more at that executive level, um, and you'll be able to uh, provide a lot of insight for people that are listening today, so I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me, Carissa. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found today's episode useful and you took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. This podcast is brought to you by MercSec, the specialists in security, search, and recruitment solutions. Visit MercSec.com to connect today. If you'd like to find out how KBI can help grow your cyber business, then please head over to kbi.digital. This podcast was brought to you by KBI.media the voice of cyber.